Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach, with a fantastic interview for you today. Not only a, a, a brilliant guest, but a topic which is near and dear to my heart, and that is writing books, of which, you know, I've got uh, 12 books under my belt, seven paperbacks, and then a five-book uh, Kindle series. Anyway, my guest is Laura Gale. She got her start as a publicist for Hatchet, a global publishing house, and has worked on projects like the Twilight Phenomenon, J.K. Rowling's post-Harry Potter publications, and the personal memoirs of Michael Palin, Nelson Mandela, and Tina Fey. Good Lord, those are three big names. <laughs> She started Laura is Writing to help entrepreneurs write, publish, and market books that will transform their businesses and leave a legacy they're proud of. She has ghostwritten over 15 books and has helped dozens of authors to edit and market their books. She's the author of How to Write This Book, Write, Publish, and Market Your Business Bestseller and Content That Converts, How to Build a Profitable and Predictable B2B Content Marketing Strategy, both books were bestsellers in Amazon's marketing category for several months, and she is the co-host of the Business of Writing podcast. And she was born and raised in Australia, so you'll hear her accent, and she now lives in Lisbon, Portugal. Laura, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Jim. Yes. Gosh, I, I, I love talking to people from Australia. I love the accent. Of course, I have the accent and you don't, right? From, from your ears. It's funny how that works. Um, so, my goodness, Michael Pale and Nelson Mandela and Tina Fey, those are not like, uh, those are not up and comers, right? They were some pretty amazing projects, I have to say. And I was a junior at the time. So, getting to work on projects like that was just incredibly eye-opening and really kind of threw me in the deep end. I really had to learn how to be extremely professional extremely quickly and they were very formative uh, experiences for sure. So when you, um, first of all, did you always know you were either had the, I mean, did you always love books? Did you think you wanted to be a writer? What was, what was that like? I mean, you know, some people want to be a fireman or baseball player or chemist or doctor. Was this in your, in your DNA, so to speak? I think, Yes, but I didn't even realize it. Growing up, I was a total bookworm as a child and I grew up in a reading family. It was the thing we did together. We would all just sit on the couch and read silently. Uh -huh. So, you know, it's been part of my life for as long as I can remember. And I think looking back, I didn't really have a sense as a child of what I wanted to be when I grow up. Uh, I was really so immersed in so many of these other stories and other worlds that it never occurred to me to really think about what my story might look like. Um, and so as I got older and went through high school, I definitely developed a knack for writing. I think having had such an extensive reading history as a child was very helpful in developing those skills. Um, and so by the time I was at the end of high school, it didn't really make any sense to me to do anything except writing. So I got a degree in writing and publishing and went straight into the publishing house. Did you go right into Hatchet or was there some steps in between? 
I did. So I actually uh, landed a, an unpaid internship in my second last year of university uh, at the company and worked there for free for two years, just kind of turning up every week to ship books out and copy things and schedule interviews and, you know, very, very basic stuff. But Get coffee and do, yeah, <laughs> do Exactly, all, do exactly. Sit stuff. and take notes in the meetings. And yeah. yeah, when when I graduated, it was about the same time that the woman I had been um, answering to decided that she was going to move on. And so um, her boss said, well, you know, this role already, you've been doing it, you know, basically part time for a couple of years, we, we would love to offer you the job. So I was really fortunate to walk straight into it basically as soon as I graduated. And so how long, how long were you there? Uh, I was there for three and a half years. And then, so when you transition, because I mean, so many people, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's one of my pet peeves, but so many people think you go to high school, you go to university, you get a job, you work 30, 40, 50 years and you retire. They don't, a lot of people don't even teach entrepreneurship. Was that, did you have any um, mentors or parents, grandparents who were entrepreneurs? When did that entrepreneurial uh, bug hit you? I didn't know anybody who was an entrepreneur actually. And uh, about halfway through my time working at Hashed, I sort of started to get this um, itch that I didn't want to be in an office forever. I really wanted to travel a lot and see a lot of things. And I, I also had this sense that working for somebody else was not going to be the right fit for me forever. Um, yeah. I wouldn't say I'm unemployable, but I really like being able to do things my own way and on my own schedule. And obviously that's kind of at odds with working in a traditional business. So I started sort of looking for ways to um, start exploring how I might do that. I was not in a rush to make it happen, but I definitely wanted to see in a, you know, two or three years where I might be able to start making those moves. And I was very fortunate to meet a few people around my own age who had started working online and were doing um, online marketing consulting, you know, Facebook funnels and that kind of thing. And they kind of helped me get started just understanding what the first kind of foundational things to learn would be, how to think about getting clients, how to develop an offer, all of that kind of thing. There was a great book. It was like 30 years ago. So way before your time, but it, I think it was called Get Fired and Get Fired Up. So a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs will start a business after they lose their job, right? Um, that was almost the case, you know, certainly my case, but it sounds like you had a really good thing going working for Hatchet, but you, you just were kind of pulled into doing your own thing. Very much so. I could have honestly very comfortably stayed at Hatchet for years and years. There were people who had been working there very happily for 10, 20, 30 years. And, you know, it's a very fulfilling career. Publishing is a really interesting industry. There's a lot of change that has been going on the last few years. So there's been a lot of growth happening, um, you know, and the, the product is, is so fun, you know, and, and working with authors is so gratifying and they're just lovely people most of the time. And so it's a really comfortable career if you get into it. It's not a particularly lucrative career, but it's a really fun, fulfilling one. And so I did have some anxiety about walking away from that. You know, it was, it was comfortable enough and I got free books and I got to tour with cool authors and, you know, there was a lot going for it that, that was good. But I also knew that I was never going to be what I wanted myself to be doing that. I always thought like, I, I know I could, could do something pretty interesting if I get a system that allows yeah. me to do it. So I'm curious, Laura, that, um, you know, when you work in a corporate environment and I guess a, a big publicist, 
uh, like Hatchet is certainly a big corporate type of environment and certainly writing books for Michael Mandela or, you know, helping or whatever part you took there, that's a different book than a lot of entrepreneurs publish. You know, it's, I think entrepreneurship is kind of, I don't want to say it's uh, it's not a well-written book, but it's written in a different voice, if that makes yeah. sense. I mean, I write my books very much like I talk, you know. So, was that a transition for you to help small business owners? Certainly it was. I think there are some commonalities across all different types of nonfiction books and, you know, whether it's memoir or whether it's uh, a business book, sort of a how-to there, there are some things you always have to keep in mind. And, and one of those is having, um, I call it a golden thread. It's kind of a consistent narrative theme that ties the entire project together and gives the, the reader a sense of clarity about what they're learning and what they're going to take away from the book. Um, you know, there also needs to be that hero's journey. There needs to be some transformation. There needs to be some evidence some proof. You know, there's got to be all of these key elements. And really, once you understand how those key elements fit together, it's just a stylistic question of how you tie it all together. Did you say it's the golden thread? Did I hear that right? Yes. I love that. That should be the title <laughs> of your next book. Right? <laughs> I mean, that that really is. You should write that down. That's one of the things I do is I hear these brands. Anyway, that's one of the things that really helps people get from the beginning. One of the things I learned working with an editor in 2008 when I wrote my first book was that a lot of people don't get past the first one third. So, you want to put all the good stuff up front, right? And um, But I think what you just said, the golden thread is what keeps people reading, right? That whatever, what's the message? What do you want people to glean from it and things like that? So, man, I love that. That's a, that's a great one right there. Um, what does working with a ghostwriter look like? I mean, you know that working with your clients, they probably, I bet you 90% of your clients, if not 100% said, I've had a book in me for a long time. I've started a book because I haven't finished it and, and that's why they want to engage you. But isn't working with a ghostwriter, it's kind of the, the bridge between that chasm of having a book and uh, having a book in them, so to speak, and having a book on the shelf. Absolutely. I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, particularly, they have these amazing stories. They have these incredible journeys that they've been on. They've learned so much. But the idea of sitting down to sort of process all of that and get it out of themselves and onto a page is very daunting. And that's not to mention the fact that they have specialized in something completely different to writing business memoir. You know, they're great at running their business. They're not necessarily great at writing. And a lot of my clients are good writers, very confident and able to express themselves, but it's not the highest and best use of their time. It's often really important for their business that this book gets done, but it's not urgent. And so uh, you know, there's always other things that are going to encroach on writing time. So there are kind of a lot of reasons that people would engage a ghostwriter, but a lot of it is getting out of their own way, um, making sure that the finished product is as polished and uh, reflects their business in as good a light as possible. And also it just means that they can trust that the, that it's going to get done. You know, they're not going to keep getting hung up on all of these things along the way that have prevented them up until that point. Let me, let me go back about five steps. When you're working with a potential client and, you know, if they're not already convinced they need a book, they're just searching out who can best help them do it. How can a book help, help, some, help a small business owner grow their business? So most authors are not going to generate a lot of revenue on the front end sales of their book. 
most of the revenue will come from uh, conversions that happen after the, the reader has purchased the book. So you would usually see um, that the entrepreneur would make an offer to the, to the reader. So maybe the book is about how they have built their business and they want to now help people in a similar industry to build similar businesses. And so maybe they offer consulting, maybe they offer a high ticket program or product. You know, there's a lot of ways that you can make money on the back of the book, but the book is basically a live illustration of your process. It's the kind of calling card that says, I'm the expert in this area. Now come in and work with me after you've read this to go to the next level. Gotcha. Um, do you have any, um, formulas or strategies when you're working with somebody um, like is their book about them and the business is it is is it depending on what the business is is it a how-to book or how do you how do you help your clients use the book as a great positioning tool I think the most interesting business books have a blend of that personal memoir aspect as well as exactly how they did what they've done. You know, people want to know the ins and outs, the behind the scenes of how those businesses were built. And it goes a long way to um, making the story relatable to include some of the entrepreneur's personal story. So my approach is generally um, we build an outline together, a very structured kind of roadmap for how we're going to create the book. Um, I, we spend a lot of time in interviews. We do hours and hours of conversations, just going back and forth, getting to know the client. Really, it's, it's, there are so many things that come up in these more in-depth conversations that you never have. And, and entrepreneurs are very good at presenting themselves verbally. They you know, present their pitches over and over again. They tell their story over and over again. And over time, that becomes very polished. But that doesn't necessarily make for interesting reading. So I'm always looking to dig past those very practiced pitches and spiels and go for the stuff that no one's heard before, that no one, um, often that the entrepreneur has never uh, had time to really reflect on our process. And so um, the, the process is very collaborative. It's very relational. And uh, in the end, I think the personal story is more often what really hooks the readers than the practical steps the entrepreneur took to build the business. The reader really gets to connect to who that person is and understand um, what it would be like to work with them by reading this book. And so you really want to sort of pull back the curtain and show them who you really are. I agree with that a hundred percent. I mean, that's, it's, it's an extension of social media in a way, you know, show who you really are. People are more interested in you than, than whatever your particular skill or talent is. I think mm. I'm curious about your, the services that you offer, Laura, do you, I mean, I know you offer ghostwriting. Do you also offer editing? Does somebody turn over, you know, a manuscript and then you polish it or do you everything A to Z or? I wouldn't say it's everything A to Z, but I certainly, I love editing. It's a really satisfying process for me. So I do those projects pretty regularly. Uh, I also offer coaching. So for um, people who are quite keen to write their own book, uh, I will work with them to make sure that they're hitting the right milestones at roughly the right times and help them kind of keep their focus, um, help hold them a little bit accountable to make sure that the things that they need to get done are getting done. Um, and yeah, that, that process is really satisfying as well. Um, I also teach a course called Ghost Protocol, which is teaching other professional writers how to do ghostwriting if they're interested in that. Wow. I noticed in your book, um, How to Write This Book, Write, Publish, and, and uh, Market Your Next Bestseller, that one of the case studies was Brian Kurtz of Titans Marketing. Did you work with him on a book? I did, yeah. He was, uh, he was a client a couple of years ago. He was, uh, that was an amazing project, actually, because he has such a huge 
body of work that he's produced over quite a long career and going through all of that and kind of pulling it all together was was a pretty serious undertaking for the two of us i would think so but i mean that's a man that's a huge feather in your cap <laughs> i think that's awesome he's, he's a pretty accomplished individual he's an amazing guy and, and i was very fortunate to work with him so if, if, if some of our listeners um, aren't in a position to either, you know, hire an editor or, but that yet they really, you know, they really, this is 2020 is the year they're going to get their book done. Maybe it's because they've been, you know, sequestered for so long. They've had some time to write it. Can you give them any tips on, on how to get the book done, how to organize it? I would say there are a few kind of key things to getting a book done. The first is to have a realistic expectation of how much time it's going to take. Um, you know, for a professional writer, if you can get two or 3,000 words done in a day, that's a really good day. So if you're starting out and you only get through 500 words in a day, that's perfectly fine. Just expect that it's going to take a bit of time. Um, most people writing their own book are going to need at least a year or so to do it. Um, one other thing I would suggest is get a copy of um, how to write this book would definitely help. It's kind of a bird's eye view of the process, but uh, the book that I rely on a lot is On Writing Well by William Zinsa, and that is basically a masterclass in what it takes to be a good writer. Um, the thing that stood out to me the most in that book is his focus on simplicity, and I think a lot of people kind of write themselves into a corner or get stuck in, in complexity because they're trying to communicate something that's relatively simple in a way that sounds complicated or fancy. And the, the best thing you can do is keep it as simple as possible. Um, the English language is very powerful in that there's a word for everything. We have one of the biggest vocabularies in the world. And so there's always a, a word that means exactly what you want to say. And so um, always choosing that word specifically and letting go of everything else is very liberating. It means you don't get stuck kind of trying to make everything sound crazy, fancy and everything, you just get exactly to the point. And, and I think readers appreciate that brevity and that focus. Um, the other thing would be to let other people see it before it's published. Um, getting even somebody uh, that you know is a voracious reader to have a look at it and say, okay, this part is dragging or this part is confusing. Um, I'd like to hear some more stories in this section. That kind of external validation is gonna be really powerful in improving the end product. Yeah. You know, when I wrote my first book, I thought it was, first of all, I was scared to publish it because I felt like I was challenged with the English language. <laughs> my name's going to be on the cover. And I decided to hire an editor for the kind of level one basic, just spelling, grammar check. And the person said, well, I could do that for you, Jim, but the book needs a lot of help, a lot of reorganizing to make it, you know, just speak more. I, I, I am such a fan of, of hiring people who, who have specific skills and talents that I don't. Laura, um, what do you, what can you tell us about marketing a book? So let's say you, you write the book and you know, one thing I learned is that you, you, you take a deep breath, whether it takes you a year or six months or three months to write the book, you kind of take a deep breath and go, Oof, finally done. But you're really only at the halfway point when you actually write the book, there's the whole launching and marketing piece. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people forget about that. It feels like such a big effort to get the book out of you and published that by the time you get to the marketing stage, you're sort of out of juice. And so you do need to have a, an expectation that getting the book actually finished is, is, as you say, only the halfway point. I will say, though, that I think marketing should start basically as soon as you start writing. If you spend six months or a year writing the book, 
that's also six months or a year that you could be talking about the book. You can be building your email list, building a pre-launch campaign on Amazon. You can be getting testimonials and early readers to give you reviews. There's a lot of stuff that you can do in that interim period to make sure that when you do launch, you've got a huge volume of attention and, and promotional assets and you can be lining up podcast interviews. There's so much that you can be doing in that um, pre-publication stage. I would say don't waste that. It's really valuable time. Um, the, you, I think sorry, you just mentioned, I'm sorry, I think you just mentioned that Amazon, there's a pre-publication strategy on Amazon or did I not hear that right? That's right. So you can set up a pre-publication campaign, which basically allows people to pre-order the book. So I think you can set this up 12 months in advance of your publication date and you can send people to that page to pre-purchase the book. So basically oh. someone will say, yes, click add to cart, one click purchase as Amazon's system allows. Um, and then they will be charged for the book on the day of publication. The reason this is so useful is that Amazon's search algorithm determines how valuable the book is to the market by the velocity of sales in its first week of publication. So if you, on launch day, if you have all of these pre-purchase orders processed all at the same time, then the algorithm immediately thinks, wow, this is really valuable. We better push this up the search rankings. And so whenever somebody searches for something that is related to your book, it's going to show up more frequently in those search listings. Um, and it kind of creates a set point with the algorithm so that it continues to show up high in those results for a long time. So as a long tail strategy, I think that's really valuable. That's really cool. So all the people that pre-order books, whether it's a month or six months, or as you said, up to a year, they're not charged. All those sales hit the same day it goes live. Yes. That's very cool. I didn't know that. Wow. I love learning stuff. Um, we got about uh, two minutes, two or three minutes left, Laura. I want to ask you about cover design. What are your thoughts on cover design, specifically for a small business owner? Should they be on the cover? Should it just, should they not be on the cover? Like, what are your thoughts on cover design? This is a really important aspect of getting your publishing strategy right. You know, people do judge books by their covers. I think if you have a big audience already, you're well-known in your industry, then yes, your face should be on the cover for sure. If you don't have a big following, you're not well-known, I would say go for um, a text-based image for business books, uh, or you could go the same route that Michael Michalowicz went and have kind of a thematic um, custom illustration for your, for your cover. I think those two are probably the best bet for most people. Um, I think there's a lot of confusion about what makes for a good cover, but again, simplicity is key here. You just really want it to be easy for people to understand what the book's gonna be about and to have it kind of designed so that it appeals to the right audience. Um, real quick, I wanna squeeze in another one. For people that have trouble with blank page syndrome, they sit down, they know they need to write, but they can't get it going. Do you encourage people to talk out their books and have it transcribed or like, how do you help people with writer's block? I would say never start with a blank page. I never, ever start with a blank page because exactly that reason is very overwhelming and daunting. Um, so even if it's just big headline goes here and, you know, bullet points of the ideas that I have to talk about or, you know, starting with just so-and-so said this to me the other day and this is why that's relevant to this book idea. It doesn't matter if it's a total mess, just put something down because as you start writing and, and kind of just hashing out all of the messy ideas that are in your head, it will get you in a flow. And then you can just hit the enter key a few times and then start actually writing when you're clear on what you want to focus on. 
Very cool. Well, what a fun interview. You've really shared a lot of good information. I'm sure people want to connect with you and learn more. So if you could share that information, I'd appreciate it. Sure. So the best place is my website, lauraiswriting.com. Uh, you can sign up for my email list there. You'll get a free copy of how to write this book and uh, then you'll get emails from me and you can respond. And I, I love being in touch with all of my readers. So I'd love to see you guys over there. Okay. So lauraiswriting.com. That's awesome. <laughs> Laura, thank you so much for being my guest this week. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jim. Much appreciated. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Laura Gale from lauraiswriting.com. Certainly very, very smart. Um, connect with her there. Connect with me at getjimpalmer.com or dreambiz.com. But until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I'm Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. You take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.